Welcome to the Fantasy Addict Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Amore and Frank Sicalese. Welcome back to the Fantasy Addicts Dynasty Podcast. We're so happy to be back in here today recording another episode for you guys. Welcome in, Andrew. How are you feeling today, mate? Yeah, I'm all good. Thanks, Frank. Um, happy Australia Day, everyone. Ready to get stuck into another podcast. Yeah, I think, uh, as always, we'll get stuck into what was an absolutely epic playoff uh, weekend. I think that was probably the best weekend of football I've ever seen in my life. I think a lot of people would agree with that. Um I can't think of anything that was better than this weekend. I mean, I haven't been watching for, you know, years and years. I'm not 60 years old and I don't remember Brett Favre and all those guys, but what topped this? This was insane. So if you want to get straight into that, Andrew. Yeah, no, it was um, it was an epic weekend. You know, um, I was stuck here in uh, campus and I was just watching the football Saturday and Sunday. And, yeah, it was awesome. Like, I don't know. Frank, if, if that weekend was pay-per-view how much you paying for that (laughs) too much too much i've never been a pay-per-view guy i haven't actually haven't forked out the money i always just scab off someone else or go down to the pub um that's got to be that's got to be at least two three hundred dollars like i don't know i don't know what at what point i would have to stop it's like hundreds of dollars i would pay to see those games yeah like Open open checkbook, but um. Anyway, we'll start off with the first game: Titans Bengals. Um, any takeaways from that that game, Frank? For you? Well, I don't know if you uh, noticed, but the Titans had the uh, what was it, the most sacks in a playoff game in history, or something along those lines. Um, clearly they should have taken Penny Sewell. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Jamar Chase is insane. T Higgins is insane. They didn't put up a lot of points, but um, they got it. They got it. They basically got enough points on the board. Really timely interception. So I mean, if you're a Bengals fan, you are absolutely up and about. You're really excited about what your team can do, especially since you've beaten the Kansas City Chiefs. You know what was it three weeks ago? So you probably think you're a real chance. Um. But awesome game. I mean, Titans probably just didn't execute well enough offensively. They probably uh, put themselves in a good position to win the game. Derrick Henry didn't look too good, but it was good to see him back. I think Deontay Foreman looked like the better runner from the day. But, um, yeah, it's probably the takeaways from that game. But again, just another awesome game. Just the field goal to win it at the end. McPherson, he looks like an incredible kicker. Like, you know, you're talking about... Guys that are, you know, really good in the league. You got your Justin Tuckers, you know, probably Greg the Leg and stuff like that. He looks like he's up there. He's awesome. Yeah, you know that you know that video of that uh kicker in college that um like kicked the lid off the bottle? Yeah, that that's actually him. So I saw that went viral. Oh, but, um, yeah. yeah, just um rein, the whole game reinforces from like a dynasty perspective, you know, how good AJ Brown and Jamar Chase are. Um Joe Burrow, you know. We've uh, we've touted him on the show. He's he's got to be a top five quarterback right now. And, yeah, um, for sure. But, you know, Ryan Tannehill, Frank. I don't know about you, but if I'm a Tennessee Titans GM, I'm yeah, I'm looking for one of these big these big players in the off season. You know, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers. 
Um, because that team could be anything, and I feel like he's holding them back. But um, I don't know about you. What would you be doing with um, Tannehill? You know, Julio, those uh, those aging assets in the Titans. But um, yeah, what do you think about them? Well, I think that Julio Jones to start off with, he'll be off the team. He's a free agent this offseason. I doubt they probably re-sign him. Maybe they might as a complimentary piece. I wouldn't be surprised if they go wide receiver early in the draft. I mean, they'll probably end up towards the back end of the draft. A few wide, good wide receivers there that we've spoken about numerous times on the show. I think they could slide in alongside AJ Brown really well. Um, I think it's it's hard to say because I think Ryan Tannehill is is under contract and um, that you know he probably they probably could find a trade partner for him just in terms of how the money works out. I'm not sure. I don't think teams are going to be giving up. Uh, they might be backing up the truck for Ryan Tannehill, but if the likes of Russell Wilson, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, if they are truly available, I think if you're an NFL team that doesn't have a solidified franchise quarterback, you have to be interested. I think you have to inquire. Um, that's like the bare minimum of your job. If you're a general manager in the NFL, you have to make the call. Um, I don't know if that'll get done. I think that'll probably stick with Tannehill next year, which uh, will be good for, it'll be good enough for fantasy for AJ Brown and Derek Henry and whoever else might be there. But yeah, they came up a little bit short this year, which is um, disappointing for them considering they were the number one seed. Do you agree with that? Or do you think they, they might really be off him? No, I think that they'll they'll keep him, but you know, I was just mentioning it because you know the possibilities with a better quarterback, you know, are endless for that Titans team. Like, um, but yeah, I thought they were a bit of a fake one seed. Like, um, you know, I tipped the Bengals as a bit of a bit of a roughie, you know, before the playoffs, just because they had that soft draw, you know, Raiders, Titans, and, and um, well, yeah, but now they got you know the Chiefs, but um. Yeah, we're all on the Bengals bandwagon, so hopefully they can keep it going. And um, yeah, on to the next game, Frank. Niners Packers. This was this is the one I was most interested in because you know Ben Circle, um, he's our friend, big Packers guy, and obviously my girlfriend and Niners fan. So I really wanted to see the Niners win, just so we could get stuck into Ben. But um, yeah, what did what did you take away from the Niners Packers game other than you know Debo Samuel doing Debo things? Yeah, it was a little bit of a boring game, honestly. I mean, it was so cold. You couldn't expect the offenses to execute um, to a really, really high level. I think we didn't see too much. I feel like Devontae Adams, he got his, but he wasn't didn't have a Deontay, Devontae Adams-type game. We were used to him being so impactful in the field. I know, it's just those freezing cold, that freezing cold weather in Green Bay. I think it just sort of killed the game a little bit. Um, exciting ending. We saw Robbie Gold again. Just, he kicks game winners like all the time. You got half a dozen a year. Robbie Gold, he's cash money. He's gonna win your games. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see what happens with uh, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams now. Come the uh, end of now that their season's over, will he still be there? Will Adams still be there? There's just so many uh, questions up in the air. Um, to continue on with your the Ben Serple slander. He's that friend of yours that everyone's got that's a Packers fan and they're just insufferable because you think that, you know, especially if you're an older fan as well, you've probably got a friend that you've been friends with for like, let's say it's for like 25 years and they've been good for that basically the entire stretch. They've had Brett Favre, you know, they were good for, you know, over a decade. You think, okay, Brett Favre, he's retired. Finally, they probably won't be good for that long, you know, for a few years at least. And then they get Aaron Rodgers and then they're good for another 15 years. It's just insufferable. So hopefully 
finally, the Packers can be garbage for a while and then we can have a bit of joy in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I, I don't know what's more likely, the Packers keep Rogers, like Rogers stays at the Packers or, you know, the Niners keep Jimmy around. But um, it's, you know, it'd be interesting. Personally, I think the Niners can't, they can't move on from Jimmy because, you know, he's, he's just, he just wins. Like he gets the job done. Um, don't know if I'm getting lost in his beautiful eyes, Frank, but I just think he, um, he does enough for that team. And I think, I think Rogers and Adams won out. And I think the Packers going forward, you know, Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, maybe the only assets I really want there. Um, other than that, I'm not too sure. I'm not sure where you stand on that, but on the Niners, I think, yeah, Debo, He's incredible. Kittle's incredible. Um, Robbie Gould, as you said, did you see him like practicing before the game, just kicking like over the Packers guys getting ready? It was just, it was pretty funny. But um, yeah, happy the Niners are moving on. And yeah, any any other takeaways from you? Yeah, those highlights of Robbie Gould kicking in practice before the game, right as I was standing there coming out of the tunnel, hilarious. You just knew he was going to kick the game winner at that point. Um, in terms of Jimmy Garoppolo, I think you, it's so hard because they've, you know, gotten this far now. And if, like, let's just play hypotheticals here and they win the Super Bowl, I think that's when Jimmy could stay. If they get eliminated next week by the Rams, then I think you have to move on. I think you've got to bring in Trey Lance. They took him number three overall. Um, and they showed that he was not too bad. I mean, it's so hard. You just don't want to take a risk in this league because then you come in and if you've got Trey Lance and they don't perform, you just look like a fool because they got back to the they, you know, they were back in the NFC championship game. I think that just te- that whole team is so talented. So it could be a product of the team as well as Jimmy, but he he wins. He doesn't lose you, he doesn't lose you the game on the, you know, most of the time. So it's gonna be really interesting to see how that pans out. Another awesome game that uh, happened over the weekend, the Bucks versus the Rams. And I know you're really interested in this game, Andrew, because you are in the camp of that uh, Brady's done. Um, you thought maybe the Bucks are done. Uh, a lot of rumors are coming out that Brady is might be hanging up the boots. I don't believe it personally. I think he'll be there another two or three years. Could be even more than that. You know, he's just built different. But I don't think he'll be retiring this offseason. He, he'll still want to come back and win. What do you think? Well, I um, touted him as a sell high. Uh, how long ago, Frank? Probably like, I don't know, three weeks. And gee, I'm looking good here. Um, predicting the Brady demise. But, you know, he still looked good. He somehow always finds a way to come back even when, even when he's done. Um, like, yeah, that game should have been toast. But um, your mate, Cam Akers, returns, fumbles a couple of times. Cooper Cup fumbled once. Like, the amount of stuff that just bounces right for Tom Brady for him to come back is ridiculous. But, yeah, I still think, um, you know, he's obviously going to be good if he plays. I just don't know how long he's got left. Um, and along with that is, like, the Bucks assets, like Mike Evans, Chris Godden with that ACL. Lenny, he's old. Gronk's old. I'm just – it could be done. It could be done in Tampa. Like, they got their, got their title. They'll go on this year, and um, the Rams got the better of them. But – yeah, what did did you watch Cam Akers? What you what you think of his return? Yeah, so I actually wasn't able to watch live, unfortunately. I stuck at work as per usual. Um, but I was really, really impressed with Cam Akers for the most part. So what impressed me the most was not he didn't put up, you know, massive numbers and he had those two fumbles, which are just heart-wrenching. I mean, the first one, you can't blame him. I think just the way it happened, landed on his head, ball comes out. Nothing too much to look into. 
But Christ, he almost fumbled the game. So I hope um, we'll see next week how involved Sony Michelle is. But the fact that Cam Akers got all of the work, like all of it. Look, we, you saw Sony Michelle for like five touches. Cam Akers had 25, 24 carries, I think, and he had about five targets and like four catches or something like that. And it's so, so um, impressive just from a coaching standpoint to give him all that work. And it just shows that they've got faith in uh, his health. So as a Cam Akers owner, I'm over the moon aside from the fumbles. So we'll have to just wait and see how much of an impact that has. Um, would you agree with that? Like I, I was genuinely surprised. I don't know about you. Yeah, you gotta be, you gotta be happy with the work. Like they were willing to just give him the keys straight away. He looks, he looks great off his um Achilles. But yeah, I just think it was a bit, a bit ridiculous to just you know, not involve Sony. I think they, I don't want to say they're rushing him back because he looked good, but I think you know Sony hasn't done anything wrong. They should you know maybe have a bit of a committee and then next year just let let Acres go crazy. But um, staying on the Rams side, you know, that the breakfast bunch, the breakfast duo, um, Stafford and Carp, they never fail, Frank. Like, you know, I thought the Bucks, I thought the Bucks had it when Lenny ran that in. And then, oh, what was Todd Bowles doing? He sent like a corner blitz and uh, just Cooper Cup's wide open down the field. Kind of sad for Tom. I wanted to see the comeback. It was, um, but. Yeah, I think I think the Rams, all their assets are, you know, trending and the Bucks assets are ending, but I don't believe Brady's gonna retire. I think he's got I think he's got another year in him. But yeah, we'll see, I guess. So um anything else on that game, Frank, or do we move on? Yeah, before we move on, I just wanted to say, Cooper Cup, how do you put single man coverage on that play? And just the game on the line. They just, he gets in behind the defense. That's, you know, what it was at a 40-yard game. Game over. See you later. Absolutely crazy scenes. Speaking of crazy scenes, Chiefs versus Bills. It could be the best game ever. Like, it's up there with the one that, I remember the one that sticks out for me was the Chiefs-Rams game a few years ago. It was like the highest scoring game ever. This was, this was hell. Like, this was close. This was so close, probably. I Because it's a playoff game, I think you got to have it above that as well, which is just insane. Um just two supreme quarterbacks going at each other reminds me of, you know, this is probably the the next Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. Like I think these two quarterbacks just like insane. Um, some of the most talented quarterback play. I think the league has ever seen. Frank, I think Frank gun to your head. Denver can take one. Who is it? Gun to my, Oh, it's gotta be Pat Mahomes. Cause, cause he's shown it. He's uh, won the Super Bowl. He's, you know, he's beaten them again. You know, it's, you know, a bit of weird circumstances the way the overtime rules are. I think, but it's Patrick Mahomes. He's done it before and he just does it every year. They just religiously get to the AFC Championship game. Yeah, you're right. Like, I don't know. Pat Mahomes just wins. But, oh, Josh Allen, he's 6'5". He's like, he's massive. He's just, he just doesn't die. Like, the play is always alive with him. Just scrambling and, you know, he, he's running through defenders. Like, he's unstoppable. Um, And the guy that... Josh Allen threw like literally every touchdown to Gabe Davis. Frank, are you in or is this just a just a one game thing? Gabe Davis is the goat. That's he has to be. He has to be the uh, best receiver in the league. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Gabe Davis, 
he's been interesting. He's been on a lot of dynasty radars for a long time, waiting for this breakout. Sort of sometimes, you know, you catch a few touchdowns in a row and you think, oh, here it comes. This is the Gabe Davis breakout. And then he goes quiet for a few more weeks, plays less snaps than Emmanuel Sanders, less snaps than Cole Beasley. He comes into this playoff game and he just goes absolutely bananas, four touchdowns, 200 yards, and just shows what he can be. So I think um, if you own him, he's uh, gotten a massive value jump. And you know, if someone's willing to pay like a first round pick, I mean, I'd probably trade Gabe Davis for the likes of, you know, with think of the rookie wide receivers coming in, Traylon Burks, Drake London, Garrett Wilson. I would make that trade if someone wants to jump in on Gabe Davis. But otherwise, just be happy that he could be breaking out and he's got a uh, supremely talented quarterback behind him. I mean, with Josh Allen under center, with the amount of touchdowns he throws, Gabe Davis, he's got a really high ceiling. Whether it happens or not is another thing. Yeah, I think you can't really lose in this situation. Like, if people are willing to pay that that crazy first round price, like just sell, like sell high. Um, but otherwise, you know, just hold and see what can happen. He could be, could be the Bills' best option when Stefan Diggs hangs him up. And um, yeah, you, you just never know. Being tied to Josh Allen, that's um. Yeah, that's awesome. So, um, but yeah, nothing really else to say on that game. You know, all the Chiefs guys, they're awesome. They're probably going to win the Super Bowl again. Um, and all the Bills guys, like Mahomes and Allen, if you have them in dynasties, just uh, hold and, you know, love the future, love the next decade. But um, I will go on a little bit of a rant about the overtime rule, Frank. Um, worst rule in sports, like everyone in the building, everyone watching knew that. As soon as the Chiefs won that toss, like it was, it was all over. So, like, I mean, the argument is just keep it going until one defense gets a stop. But that game could have could have never ended, I guess. But like, I don't know how to fix it. But I think you just have to fix it somehow. Um, I don't know where where you stand on that. Oh, I completely agree. It was total rubbish. Um, it's just look, I don't know. The overtime rules like good when it's two garbage teams. When these two teams are just so elite offensively. It just you feel like you're just robbing the fans. Like that's the, probably the last thing the NFL wants to do. They are all about making money and making the game exciting. They've changed, you know, so many rules to make offenses better. And then I feel like this rule just it feels archaic. It feels old. It feels like you know it doesn't suit where the NFL is going. I think it's going to happen more and more. We're going to have like just incredibly high scoring games that are super exciting. And then the fans just get shortchanged at the end when they just score a quick, you know, a touchdown because it just looked like the Bills' defense wasn't going to be able to stop Patrick Mahomes, especially in that situation. I mean, they're in a playoff game, you, the playoff intensity is just another thing. You could just see how much the players want it, um, and it just makes playing defense so much harder. I think so. Yeah, terrible rule needs to be fixed. I'd love to see the college uh, system where they just keep scoring, but. Yeah, I don't know, time-wise, they've got to figure something out. It's got to be better than that. I don't know what the solution is, but it can't be what we're used to now. Yeah, 100%. Um, but anyway, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll move on. What a, what, a week it, what a weekend it was. Um, but, yeah, Frank, just quickly, uh, Bengals Chiefs, who you got? Um, if I had to put money on it, it's probably the Chiefs. Um, I do yeah. want the Bengals to win, though, so... Yeah, I'm the same. We'll see. Yeah. Never can out smoking Joe though. Does know how to win. Yeah, smoking um, Joe. And we'll go Niners Rams, you got. Oh, I got the Niners. George Kittle's my boy. Um, Debo Samuel used to be my boy. I do love that team. So uh 
Good. We're going to go with Niners. Niners Chiefs, bit of a rematch. Yeah, I, I, I'm the same. I'm I'm with you. Yeah, Niners got the momentum. They're on a bit of a roll. Um, yeah. Yeah, Jimmy so. G's redemption. Jimmy G is going to he's going to win that Super Bowl. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll move on to our, our league. Uh, we had a bit of a bit of a trade, which is a weird time for a trade, but it was between um, Joel, who's not here today, um, and Dylan Lawrence. So it was a trade involving. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. So, um, Joel receives Trevor Lawrence a 2022 third and a 24 second, and gave up Fields and a 23 third. Did you? What did you think of this trade? Yeah, I thought it was a slam dunk win for Joel. I think uh, he's winning on upside. I mean, Justin Fields maybe showed a little bit more fantasy wise. Um, but Trevor Lawrence is by far the better prospect still, despite a really, really disappointing rookie year. I don't want that to go unnoticed. So this is the reason why you can get Trevor Lawrence at this price. But he got a – like, I know it's a fair way away, but he got a 2024 second-round pick on top of it, essentially. So he's traded a 2022 third, you know, gets uh, sent away a 2022 third-round pick as well. So they essentially cancel each other out. So you might as well just say it's Trevor Lawrence and a second for Justin Fields. So you've basically paid Trevor Lawrence and a second just to get Justin Fields, where I personally have Trevor Lawrence's value at least a decent amount ahead of Justin Fields. Would you agree with that? Or are you in the Justin Fields camp? Just because he showed a little bit more as a rookie. No, you still have you still have to have Trev over him, and I, I don't know. For, um, I don't know what Dylan's doing, but I, I think he, he wants in that twenty three draft. But um, yeah, I just don't think I don't think you sell Trevor Lawrence on the low. Like I think he's like he drafted him in like the what top ten pick I think in our startup, and then he's just sold him at basement price. I don't think that's that's not what, you know you don't buy high and sell low. Like I don't think that was the move, but. Um, yeah, it'll all depend on what picks they, what like what they, um, who they pick with their draft picks. But right now, I think Joel's won that that trade pretty easily. Yeah, definitely another just good move by Joel. You know, it's not a, a really really flashy trade. It's not like you know heaps. It's not like five players getting traded from one side for eight draft picks or anything like that. Nothing crazy. But he's just slowly but surely accumulating value, and I think that's the best way to play Dynasty. Just slowly add more and more talent to your team, I think, is a good way to be a sustained winner. Yeah, he's going to be tough to beat. You've got, um, you know, he's got that young core and uh, all those draft picks, and you know, he's got Trevor Lawrence. So if he does turn out to be you know, Andrew Luck, then, um, yeah, he's looking good. Anyway, Frank, that time of the week for my little segment. Are you excited? Always excited, Andrew, always. All right, so I've got like, so you're gonna, I'm gonna say three players, and it's based off, you know, fantasy points per game rankings, like where they finish. So you're gonna have to like guess where they finish, where you think, and then we're just, we're just gonna talk about them. So I tried to pick like three real awkward, real gross guys, and uh, see how see how good you go. You ready? Uh, this this will be interesting because there's gonna be some names here that are deliberately there to throw me off. All right, so. Quarterbacks, the first three. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, Derek Carr, Carson Wentz. Who do you think was, you know, the highest, the second highest and third highest uh, rankings points per game? All right. So I think I'm going to go. I, I owned uh, Carson Wentz, so I should probably know. I reckon he's 
in the middle. I think it would have been Derek Carr, Carson Wentz, Ryan Tannehill. But Ryan Tannehill's been disappointing, but he's probably still put up more fantasy points. That's so tough. Yeah, I'm going to go with that that order. So it was uh, Derek Carr, Carson Wentz, Ryan Tannehill. Um, so the order was Wentz won 17.9 points per game. And this is this is uh, six points per touch, touchdown. Um, and then Tannehill was two, 17.4. Derek Carr was three at 17. So I would have had Derek Carr way higher than him. And uh, Wow. I've really overrated him there. Yeah, I know. That's what I was thinking. Like, um, out of these three, who do you have more confidence in going forward? I mean, job security. It's pro- I don't know. I, I couldn't. I can't say job security because Derek Carr could end up anywhere and Oakland's weird. I don't know. Anyway, um, Carson Wentz apparently is on the hot seat, even though he was – pretty good for the most part. Yeah, it's all gross. I think you'd rather have maybe probably Carson Wentz just purely based on upside. I think Ryan Tannehill, we've seen what he is and, you know, he's even that that bit older. Carson Wentz is only, what, 28, 29, same as Derek Carr. Derek Carr's got a very low ceiling, I think. So it's probably Carson Wentz going forward ahead of those other two. Yeah, uh, I don't know. They're all, they're all in the same tier, but I, I think I'd be pretty happy with Derek Carr, even though he's the worst year. I think he has to have kind of the best job security, but um, yeah, they're all gross. Let's be let's yeah. be honest. <laughs> all right, now we're on to running backs, Frank. Um so we got Rashad Penny, uh Cordero Patterson and Kareem Hunt on a points per game rating. Where do you think those three players rank? Well Penny missed a lot of time so I don't think he's gonna be like he's Inactive is not going to be dragging down his average. So I've got to think of it that way. And then when he played, he exploded. So let's go with C. Pato, the GOAT, uh, Rashad Penny, Kareem Hunt. Gee, you were close. So you nailed C. Pato, 13 points per game. And Kareem Hunt actually was 12.4 points per game. So he actually produced when he played, which would surprise me. And then Rashad Penny was at 12 points per game. So, um, I think C. Pato is probably not that relevant going forward. So, um, you know, we won't talk about him unless you think he is. But um, Kareem Hunt, Rashad Penny, do you think those two are relevant moving forward? Well, I think Kareem Hunt's going to be relevant in uh, the way that they run the offense in Cleveland. I think he'll, he's there, he's still there under contract. So I think it'll be him and Nick Chubb again. They'll run that back. Um, they'll be probably, the, you know, the number one running team in the league just about again. Um, so still very relevant. He'll probably be, you know, uh, what is it, a low-end running back two, mid-running back two again. Uh, it's just a matter of health. Uh, yeah, Cordero Patterson, I think he'll be pretty irrelevant next year. I mean, props to him for a fantastic season. Rashad Penny, though, really, really interesting. Uh, if you're the Seattle Seahawks, I think I, with the amount of draft capital you seem to just not have over and over again, they just trade players, trade, you know, they've got... Jamal Adams, who's widely and severely overrated. They spent, what, three first-round picks on him. Um, I don't think you can afford to waste, you know, your second-round, third-round draft capital on a running back with the amount of holes in their defense, offensive line. They're just struggling in a few key areas. You can't spend that on a running back. I think it would be stupid to spend big running back money in free agency. Uh, I think Rashad Penny could be the guy. I mean, it's taken a long time for him to get healthy, um, get you know, heavily involved in the offense. But when he was given the keys, he was fantastic. So would you agree with that? Do you think Rashad Penny's a thing? 
I think he might be. Like, um, it's really, like, I really tried to make it, like, awkward with these guys because, you know, you don't know whether to buy, you don't know whether to sell. Um, but with Penny, I think, depending on what your roster is like, but actually it probably doesn't matter, to be honest, because he's kind of young and he, he does help. So I think Penny's a hold. Like, I think you just have to see what you got there. First round draft capital, and I think Seattle just ride it out with him. So, um, and yeah, I think you're right. I think I don't think Kareem Hunt's going anywhere. Um, and yeah, if he stays in that role in Cleveland, he's fine. If he gets traded, then you know, stonks up for Kareem Hunt if he gets that uh, workhorse role somewhere. So, yeah, Penny was the weird one, but I think I think he'll be good. So, um, yeah, he has, yeah. He, yeah, he's looked really good. Like, would you trade a second-round pick for Rashad Penny right now? Like, or if you were the better question is, if you were a Rashad Penny owner, would you take a second-round pick for him? Just you cash your chips in. You might lose the trade, but you got a second for him when you he was basically free. He was picked up in waiver wire, picked off, picked up off the waivers in our league. Would you take a second-round pick, or do you just want to hold because he could be worth far more than that if he ends up being the workhorse in Seattle? And he's only, what, 24 or something like that? He's probably got, you know, three solid years of production if that ends up being the case. Yeah, see, he's in a weird, like, um, value spot. Like, I wouldn't give him up for a second, but you're not going to get a first out of him. Like, he's in that that weird thing. So, I think I think holding is the perfect move. Um, yeah, you know, I think he's I think he's fine. Like, I would, if... Like the question you were going to ask, I, I would give up a second for Richard Penny. That makes sense. Well, you know who to call. I'm sure Wills will be looking for some draft capital. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I liked Richard Penny. Like, he just didn't work out. But anyway, uh, we'll see how that, that story unfolds. Um, why did you see this, Frank? Here we go. Um, Brandon Cooks, Hunter Renfro, Adam Thielen. How do you think those three players ranked throughout the year? You're being really mean here because they just seem like those names seem like they're back to back to back in the finishes. Um, I'm going to go with, I think, I think this one's designed to throw me. I think I'm going to go with Adam Thielen. Like he was still good when he, before he got hurt. I'm going to go with Adam Thielen. Then I'm going to go with, oh, it's so tough. I'm going to go with Hunter Renfro finished too far up the overall ranking. So it's Hunter Renfro, then Brandon Cooks. Yeah, you've nailed it, mate. Good job. Congrats. Awesome. Um, yeah, Thielen 12.8, Hunter Renfro 12.2, Brandon Cooks 11.7. I would have thought Thielen was last out of those three. So, yeah, I, I was trying to throw you. Um, you've done well. And of these three, they're all good, but they're all – I don't know if they're going to be good for a long time. So – who, which one intrigues you the most going forward? Um, I think it depends. Again, like it's hard to trade. It, it's, it's you're trying to figure out whether it's worth trading for these veterans because I think you can get them very cheap at this time of the year. We're heading into the the draft season. Everyone's finished for the year. Everyone's focused on their draft picks and what's going to go on in the NFL draft. So these guys are probably as low as they can be. They're going to be cost you more about a week out from the season. The problem is, though, Hunter Renfro's value takes a massive dive if the Raiders take a wide receiver in the first round or something like that. 
Um, same with the Texans. They could possibly do that if they uh, run it back with Davis Mills and they don't go quarterback. I don't think they're going to take a wide receiver in the at pick, what, one or two. I'm saying maybe in the second round. Um, and then probably the same thing for Adam Thielen. I think Adam Thielen will be back. I think he's one coming off the injury. I think he can get really, really cheap and he's going to give you production. So if you could sit on like the back end of your bench or you can sit in, you know, your last flex spot if you're playing in like a really large starting lineup league, he could be good. I mean, if you get Adam Thielen for like a third round pick or something like that, I mean... It's not costing you much. And he caught nine touchdowns and he missed like what, five or six games. Like he was still really good and he just catches touchdowns from Kirk Cousins. But then you don't know whether Kirk Cousins is still there. It's just so, so murky. Um, But yeah, in terms of price, I think Hunter Renfro, you're not going to be able to get cheap enough. And Brandon Cooks is a weird one. He just always seems to finish with a stat line of a thousand yards, regardless of who's under center, what situation it is. But uh, really strange. I think uh, Adam Thielen could be the trade target if things stabilize in Minnesota. Maybe they get with a new head coach, the offense could be even more uh, pass heavy. Even though they caught a lot of touchdowns, they were really run heavy for the most part. They have been since Dalvin Cook got into town. So I think Adam Thielen, out of those three, could be a sneaky trade target. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, Thielen could be I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think Kirk's going anywhere. I think, yeah, he's going to be fine. You know, he's he's just a red zone monster, isn't he? He's just um, he's always oh, he's such a smooth route runner that he gets open and he's um, he's always scoring heaps of touchdowns. But Hunter Renfro is twenty six, so I think he is the best asset. Derek Carr loves him. Um, yeah, he reminds me of like Julian Edelman kind of. He's just just that slot machine. Um, probably not as good as Julian Edelman. Um, but you know, you know what I mean. And um, yeah, Cooks. I'm holding Cooks. He's on my he's on my roster. He's good for a thousand yards and six touchdowns, Frank. And that's that's good enough for my flex spot. So yeah, um, you're Cook, not going to get better value than what he is to your team. So like, you're probably better off having Brandon Cooks than like the combination of a third round pick and some you know really young player that's completely unproven. You're better off just having Brandon Cooks. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I've got, I've got three names here at tight end, Frank. I know it's really gross. Do you want, do you want to do it? Or I didn't. I, I was going to like give you one last chance to win, but you already won. So do you want to do you want to finish it out, or you're happy? No, no, I'll finish it out. Let's let's do it. Let me hear it. Uh, onto Henry, Zacket, Noah Fant. All right, I think I've I think I've got this one. I'm gonna go with it's Hunter Henry, Zach Ertz, and Noah Fant. So you got Fant right, but you had the other two the wrong way. Zach Ertz actually finished nine points per game. Like how how crazy is that? And then um, Hunter Henry eight point two, Noah Fant seven point eight. So do you think like Zach Ertz? I think he's like thirty one, thirty two now. Do you think? Do you think he stays at Arizona? I think uh, there's a role there for him. And I think the other two, they're pretty young. They're pretty locked into their situation. So, um, but, you know, I wouldn't pay heaps for them. But if you, you know, <clears throat> need tight end help, Hunter Henry and Noah Fant seem like good options. You'd, you'd know a lot about Noah Fant being a Denver fan. But, um, yeah, just your thoughts on these guys, if Zach Ertz has a role next year and, um, yeah, any other insight. 
Yeah, I think if uh, Zach Ertz re-signs in Arizona, he could be interesting. He'll just be, you know, another, you know, you know, I'd say probably a late tight end one if he stays in Arizona. I mean, he just he's just a uh, PPR machine, just catches a lot of balls, doesn't go for heaps and heaps of touchdowns, but he's going to get his targets. Um, I think Max Williams, he'll be back after, I'm pretty sure he tore his ACL. He'll be back. Um, I just don't know if he'll be able to supplant Zach Ertz after what he's done this year, but it just depends on health. He could just be past it and too old. Um, you don't really know until the NFL season rolls around. You won't get anything for Zach Ertz on the trade market. Might as well just hold and see whether he's someone you can plug into your lineups next season. No offense. Um, as a Denver fan, um, and for someone who's like really excited for him fantasy-wise, just in his career as a whole, maybe not so much this year, just with all the mouths to feed. Um, he's been rather disappointing for fantasy owners. I mean, he probably cost you know a high, pretty high draft pick in rookie drafts when he went in the first round of the NFL draft, but there's just too many mouths in Denver in a bad offense. So you got Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick, Jerry Judy, plus they throw balls to the running back between Javante and Melvin Gordon. And then you've just got Noah Fant here, which like you're, you're almost there. Like, Oh, I'm happy. He had five targets for, and he had three catches and 30 yards and you're just praying he got a touchdown. So I think there's just too many mouths to feed in a bad offense for Noah Fant to be good. I think he's really talented. But even then, I don't think he's as talented as people are trying to give him credit for. Um, I'm a Denver fan. I just think um, the dynasty community might need to reel back expectations for the talent of Noah Fant. Do you agree with that, or you would like you in on the talent? Just the situation's bad. I mean, if you upgrade quarterback, he's obviously going to improve. But you know, I don't think he's that generational tight end that everyone um, you know thought he was going to end up being. Um, so. Yeah, as you said, there's a lot of mouths to feed. Not really like a real alpha there, but there's just solid receiving options there that if, uh, no, I don't know, an Aaron Rodgers comes in, um, which you'd be ecstatic with. But, um, yeah, if he comes in and he can really just uh, dice defences by using all those guys. So it could be a Noah Fant game one week. And it could be a Colin Sutton game one week. And then just Tim Patrick explodes one game. So, um yeah, I just I just think you bang on there with, with that. And, um, yeah, I think Zach Ertz, you know, he's been good for a long time. I didn't see any, any downgrade in his game. You know, he's always a red zone threat. And the same with Hunter Henry. Mac Jones loves him. Uh, he loves throwing to the tight end. Like, rookie quarterbacks do lean on their tight end. And, um, yeah, so I think they're all solid enough. But, yeah, just going to be, um, you know, tight end 10 to tight end 15. So, yeah, it's, it's not great, but, it's, you know, you could do a lot worse. Yeah, I want to be on the record before we move on. If Aaron Rodgers goes to Denver, Jerry Judy is the one you want. Listeners, Jerry Judy, I think he st- uh, stands the most to gain. I think he is actually incredibly talented, and it's, he's the one getting hurt the most by the situation, I think. So if Aaron Rodgers is in Denver, Jerry Judy stonks to the moon. Go for it, Andy. Hey, Frank. We'll we'll see. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, you'll have to you'll have to hit up. Who does have Jerry Judy? Joel. Yeah. Yeah, you'll have to hit him up. Uh, see what he thinks. But anyway, Frank, we'll just um move on to our final final topic, and you know what this is about. We're just gonna explain to the listeners why you should play Dynasty and how you should um set up set up your leagues going forward. So um 
Yeah, Frank, you're the commissioner of our league. Do you want to run through some rules uh, that you like to put in place? Um, you know, you're a big, big advocate for us moving to a dynasty league. And um, yeah, just take it away, mate. Yeah, so I started playing in a dynasty league probably about three or four years before we um, started up our my what I what I would call my home league, um, and I just really enjoyed it. I enjoyed the trading. You know, it was a year round experience. I think that's the number one thing. It's a year round fantasy experience. You're always, uh, you know, you're always studying. You're always uh, looking into what players are going to pop next year. You're looking at the NFL draft. You're watching the playoffs, but you're watching the players that are still there to see in those big games, who do these NFL teams turn to? I think that's something that I'm taking note of um, this playoff series as well. Far more strategy as well. And um, you feel like you're the general manager of your team and you you get so attached to your players that it it feels genuinely hard to trade a player sometimes because, you know, you've, they've put up points for your team and it just feels really personal, which I think is my favorite part of it. Would you agree that that's like the best part of dynasties about how personal it feels? Yeah. Like the one thing, you know, we, we used to do redraft and the one thing I hated, like, you know, I had Derek Henry one year and then like, you know, the season's gone and I I don't get Derek Henry anymore. Like he's, he's back in the play pool. Like it's just awesome that, you know, Tyree kills mine, Frank, and you'll never get him. Like it's just, it's just that player attachment that I love. Um, so, yeah, Dynasty is fantastic. You know, NFL draft means something. You can watch that. Playoffs mean something. And, like, I don't want to be that guy, but injuries, like, are so important. And it just, it just makes every component of the NFL, like, just mean so much more and impact your team so much more. And, yeah, just the rivalries you build with your league. Um, yeah, you just ride the ups and downs of your little squad. And, yeah, it's just... It's just fun. So uh, I recommend getting a dynasty team, you know, a dynasty league, sorry. You know, in saying that though, um, you know, one rule, one mistake is, you know, just rushing into it without actually committed players. So um, really pick your commission right, pick your pick your league mates right. Because, you know, it's a commitment. It's like, gee, Frank, how long, how long do you think our league's going to do this for? It's, it's a 10-year commitment at least. So, um, yeah, you have to pick guys that will stay around and, yeah, it'll be real fun. Yeah, it's a massive commitment. Like, I would love for this league to be continuing on for 20, 30, 40 years. Like, that would be awesome. Like, that's probably, like, the best-case scenario. Um, especially uh, just to jump on, like, a little perk that we do in our league in terms of our payout. So we have – it ends up being about $1,200 in total price pool per year taken in from the uh, buy-ins. Obviously, if you have more money and you want to play with more, play with more. If you don't have as much, play with less. It's not a slight on anyone that plays with less or more money. It's not about that. But we then take aside $200 every year. So the winner ends up with $1,000. We do a winner-takes-all just because we all hate each other. And um, I think it's funny that the set person that comes in second gets zero and the person that wins takes all. Hilarious. And uh, $1,000 in, in the pocket was real good this year. Um, and, you know, I thought about I thought about um, splitting it with Dylan, Frank. Uh, like, it, it did cross my mind, like, you know, an 80-20 split just in case I come second. But listeners, don't do that. Go all in. Get your heart on your sleeve. Um, and, yeah, I know we're real uh, – we, advocate gambling on this show um once you put money in it in a fantasy league it just makes it so much better so anyway continue frank 
Yeah, that's important. Like we enjoy gambling on the odd occasion. We like to have a dip, obviously do that responsibly. Don't, you know, put in too as like too much money that you can't afford it or anything like that. But it's such a good way to make it uh, more passionate and more serious as well. Just, you know, a little bit of money on the line, obviously within your means. But what I was saying was we then keep $200 aside um, of our prize pool every single year. And then if a team is to win two in a row, so if it, in the case that Andrew wins next year as well, there would be $400 to two years worth of buy-ins that is accumulated. So it'd be $400 extra that he would win. It's my dream that we're playing in 30 years time and no one's gone back to back and it ends up being another, what would that, what's the maths on that, Andrew? Can you do that for me quickly? <laughs> no, I'll get that. So that ends up being 30 by 200. It ends up being an extra $6,000 in the prize pool. So imagine you win one year, you get your $1,000 prize pool, and you know that the, the back-to-back jackpot has accumulated to $6,000. So you're just going gonna to go all in. So the very next year, you're going to want to win it all. You'll be you know selling all your draft picks. I think it just makes for a really interesting and fun league. I think it's just a little perk that you could do as well. Um, in terms of buy-ins as well, Paying in advance, I think that's absolutely key. I think not you don't have to pay the whole thing because no one likes to give away money. I understand that things change and you may need to leave a league, but at least 25% into the next two years, I think is important. So if they've had paid 25% of the buy-in for the next uh, two years, I think that's crucial just to keep the players in. And then it also means that if there's a new team coming in, they don't have to fork out you know, all of the buy-in. Um, just one more thing before I hand back to Andrew as well. If you do have a team that leaves and you do have an orphan, if you, you know, I think it's important to try and find a new player as soon as you can to see they can operate that team how they'd like. Otherwise it probably should be communally managed until there's a suitable owner communally managed by the whole league. And then if for argument's sake, that team were to win the, win the title, then that it would go back into the whole league prize pool. But it's important that if there's a new person that comes in and that team is in tatters, they've left because they don't want to play anymore, they keep losing, it's important to make that person that joins not have to pay the buy-in. I think you want someone to – you want to build a relationship with the, the new league member. You want them to be happy. You want them to have a chance to actually build the team they want to. Yeah, well said. Um, just with the free parking math quiz you hit me up with, I was, I was really stressing. I didn't want to get it wrong. So, you know. <laughs> Real, real good math by you, but yeah, um, just uh, mentioning like if you acquire a pick in 2024 or like 2023, it's a good idea for the league to make sure that that 25% has been paid. So then, you know, you don't get a situation where someone, you know, acquires, I mean, trades all their picks away, gets heaps of players and then just dips with the money. So just to avoid that, that little situation, but um, yeah, what you said. Another thing you could do, listeners, is like the World Cup year, um, where like every four years, like the Olympic year, every four years the buy-in increases. But um, with Dynasty, it would it would make a a real interesting way to um, tactically goal in that year, or you know, but, um, we decide to do the free parking like Monopoly. Um, but yeah, just two different ways to do that if you do a buy-in. But um, anyway, Frank, we'll. We'll dive into some rules. So, um, uh, you know, roster spots, um, taxi squad, um, you're big on this. So what do you think the optimal roster um, length and taxi squad length is? All right. So I'll start with taxi squads. And for those who don't know what taxi squads are, basically 
they're a spot that's on the outside of your roster. They don't go towards your uh, roster total, like your maximum roster size. They, you know, it could be two or three players. I know I play in a league where it's three. The league we play in is two. Just depends on sort of how um, keen people are to have them. But basically, you can put first or second year players in that slot. However, when the season starts, those players are locked into that position. Unless you can take them off the taxi squad and onto your regular roster, they will contribute to your maximum roster spots, but no one can then go back onto that taxi squad. So the idea is that you want to put players that are either, you know, let's say they're an injured player and they're going to miss their entire rookie season. They're perfect for the taxi squad. You know, they're not going to play. You won't need them on your team. Or you know that, that someone is, you know, a project player that, you know, they're not going to get very much playing time. They're just going to develop, you know, at training and things like that. You put them on your taxi squad and hopefully at the end of the two years that they've been on your taxi squad or one year or whenever you decide to take them off, they're ready to contribute. So it just lets you um, be a bit more speculative with some uh, lesser named players. I think it's just, you know, it's just cool to have a little couple extra players to play with. Do you like taxi squads, Andy? Like I, our league, we only have two of them. I think, I know I will be this off season trying to bring up, I reckon we should move in a third taxi squad spot, but We'll uh, leave that up for debate. But what do you think, Andy? Yeah, um, I, you know, I, I didn't really know much about it, but when, you know, once you explained it, it was really, really good idea, and um, just allows you to take shots on draft picks that you you probably know aren't gonna you know explode their year one, and you can just and they don't have to like waste a <clears throat> a roster spot. Like um, I picked up Jarrett Patterson and uh, you know Benjamin and like. I knew that they weren't great players, but they could turn out to be something. So you just whack them on your taxi squad and um, hopefully with a year of development, they become something. So it's, it's a really good way to um, just, you know, really buy into a rookie you don't know much about. Hopefully they turn out to be something and you don't have to waste a roster squad like taking a shot on a real unknown guy like that. So, yeah, I really like it, Frank. If you want to bring it up in the league to move to three, um, fine by me, like, yeah. And oh, that's the next thing. Um, league votes on like um, decisions that the league want to make is a is a great way. So Frank Frank brought this to our league. You know, unanimous decision. If you know, he'll bring a vote up if um, someone you know suggests to him that they want a uh, rule changed, and then we all just vote on it. And do we have majority wins? Wins or unanimous is in. Well, I think it depends on uh, what the rule change is. So I think some rules, majority wins is uh, suitable, but if there's some like drastic changes you want to make to the league, I think it's important to have like almost unanimous. So in things like we added an extra, I think when we started, we added an extra flex spot as well, like one more than we were going to originally play with. I think that was just um, important for majority. Um, but if there was something like you wanted to move from super flex to single quarterback, especially because that's the way um, certain teams are constructed. Some teams are going really quarterback heavy. If the league changes to a single quarterback. That basically cuts the value of their players more severely than what it might affect someone else. So that would require a unanimous vote. So it just depends on things like that, I would say. Um, I'll get back to what I was saying about uh, rosters as well, not to sort of segue and jump between things, but you, you got you listeners know that's the way we operate. Um, rosters, I've found that when we were getting our league started, I took particular notice of 
the players that were and weren't relevant. So I thought it was really sort of cool. You wanted to be in a sweet spot where some players weren't relevant, but they're only just not relevant. Like you kind of thought about them on a week to week basis. You're like, should I pick that person up? Should I just leave them there? And then there's some players that when you say them out loud, you, you think, why on earth would I roster that player? But then when they're on your team, it's like, there's no way in hell I would drop that player. So I think the sweet spot for dynasty leagues is a roster size, like roster sizes for every team in total being about 250 players. So we play with a roster size of 32 players on each team. We play in an eight person league. So it puts us at 254 players. And I think that's the like perfect sweet spot between Laquan Treadwell being very relevant, but Zach Pascal's on waivers. Sounds gross, but I wouldn't in a million years drop Laquan Treadwell. I think he, he looked too good at the end of the year. So I think that's a sweet spot where you want to be, where there's so many relevant players, and especially when you play in really big starting lineups. We have 14 well, you know, starting lineup spots. You want players to be relevant. I think it's just really cool and it's better played that way. I think if you only start six players and you have like a really large bench, then you're just going to be really top heavy. And it's not, I don't think it's as fun. I don't think there's as much strategy. Do you agree with that, Andy? Yeah. Like, um, Burjo was the real one who wanted just as many people as possible. And I think you want to go bigger roster than smaller roster. So, you know, do the math like Frank did and figure out a way to hit that, you know, 240 to 260 players that'll be um, taken up by everyone's roster. I mean, I think that's that's the money spot. That's really where you want to be. So um, I think you said that well, Frank. I don't really have anything to add. Um, yeah, so that, that's Russ's and Taxi squad. Um, next thing, listeners, we play Superflex, uh, half BPR, um, Six point per passing touchdown. You know, it's it's what your league enjoys. Um, we just think superflex and half PPR make more plays relevant. So, but um, full PPR maybe uh, favors. You know, the pass like the scat back pass catches a bit too much. So we just found that to be a really good sweet spot. And superflex just for dynasty makes the quarterback position way more valuable. So. Um, yeah, that's, that's just the way we went. But it's really up to you guys um, what you want to play. Uh, you'd, we, we'd recommend Superflex, wouldn't we, Frank? It's it's way better. Nah, don't be nice, Andrew. Don't be too nice to the listeners. If you play in a single quarterback dynasty league, and embarrassingly, I do play in a single quarterback dynasty league, what are you doing? It's got to be Superflex. You've got to have two quarterbacks because that just makes them so valuable. They make them like incredible trade pieces. If it's single quarterback, the appeal of trading for a quarterback, just there's no cachet, there's no fun, sort of just, oh, yeah, this is my plug-and-play quarterback or this is my streaming quarterback. There's just no fun. Where if you get two cornerstone assets in a super flex league, they'll you know be able to carry you for a long time. So it just makes it really cool. We're actually trying to figure out a way to transition. My other dynasty league, Andrew, we're trying to tr- transition from – a single quarterback to a super flex league. We're debating whether we want to just keep this league going as a single quarterback, start a new league, or we want to figure out a way to try and transition. It's going to be um, a few interesting conversations. Just you would need years in advance for teams to get set up. And some teams have invested more into the quarterback position. It's a tricky situation, but we want to work through it. Yeah. Gee, that'd be, that'd be tough. But maybe you just should avoid this mistake listeners and just uh, start Started as a super flex and uh, you'll be right. But exactly. 
yeah, keep us updated on what you do because uh, that'd be that'd be real tricky. But um, Frank, now we just got to talk about you know trade rules and draft rules. So, um, you know, uh, we'll we'll start here separating the startup and rookie drafts when you start dynasty. Um, it was a real thing that at the time I didn't think was that important. Like it was that cr- uh, crucial, but it just means that pick eight would get the rookie 101 and then um, that's just way too overpowering. So um, think of it this way. They would have got oh, uh, Matt Barber got like Jonathan Taylor and then he would have turned around and got Najee Harris as well. So um, it just, just way too um, stacked for his roster. So um, yeah. Anything to add on that, Frank, have I, have I really missed anything there? Yeah, you explained it quite well where the person that was picking at the 108 in the startup, let's say, you know, in our league, like you said, Jonathan Taylor went off the board and then the what the 101 in the, the Dynasty rookie drafts that year would have been either Jamar Chase or Najee Harris, who ended up being, what, fourth-round oh, yeah, picks, fourth picks in our startup. Jamar. So, like, that, they just would have been too much. You're essentially getting, like, a massive boost. So the team, the person that was at the 101, they took Pat Mahomes at the 108 in last year's rookie draft. I'm trying to, you know, just reel off a name who it might've been. Devonta Smith, still a really good player, but he went about what, five rounds later than those other guys. So it just becomes too much of a gap. And I think it's important to put those, if you're doing a startup, make sure it's after the NFL draft, make sure it's after, you know, rookie drafts and things like that are taken. You get a bit of ADP data and stuff like that. You know where these players are going and then you can sort of make the decisions there. And those rookies get picked in the startup draft as well. And they find their own value. They find the right spots in the draft. So I think it works really well. Yeah, perfect. Um, And just another thing, listeners, a fun way to, I mean, our leagues had a a bit of a problem with, um, you know, draft order. So we do a real fun way to like randomize it. So uh, last year we did, um, we all come up with an NFL first round mock draft and um, for the rookies. And if you got the most correct, then you would pick one. So just think of ways to do that. We thought about, you know, everyone picks a golfer in a golf tournament and see how they go or um, yeah, just, just fun stuff like that to really, really uh, spice it up. We were, we have been thinking of doing like a darts tournament, Frank, but um, that'd be interesting. But yeah, listening is just a fun way to, you know, not, uh, rig the draft order and make it really fair. And um, yeah, if you don't trust those online websites or the person running the uh, online randomizers. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a really fun way to do it. Uh, anything to add there, Frank, with the draft order, draft rules? Yeah, well, the darts tournament requires a bit of skill, Andrew. So we don't want to, we don't actually want anyone to be uh, better or worse than anyone because I just end up with the number one overall pick every time for required a bit of skill. Um, one other thing I want uh, the listeners to avoid in not just Dynasty, any of their fantasy leagues, um, don't veto trades, turn off vetoes. That's, that's not a thing. We don't live in the 1990s or the beginning of fantasy football and, you know, someone would hand someone $50 and they'd trade them Aaron Rodgers for free. Um, yeah, no vetoes. It's all done digitally now. Don't do vetoes. But if you know that someone's cheating, call it out. Have a process in place. Um, that is actually one thing that uh, I know that I wrote into our league uh, constitution. But if there is any sort of people think someone's cheating, raise it, say that, you know, what's going on, what you think is happening. And then 
it'll be a league discussion and it'll be a league vote as to what the punishment will be. We're not out here to be, you know, mean to one person. If someone gets ripped off in a trade, we're not there to say that, you know, they're cheating when they weren't. Um, but it's just the easiest way to do it is just be transparent with your league. So, you know, have those conversations and things like that. You want your teammates, your, sorry, your league mates to all have a good relationship because it just means the league uh, lasts a lot longer. Yeah, making making a group chat is a good idea too. Um, keep those communication channels open and, um, yeah, you can really, really talk shit to one another. Um, you know, we love getting stuck into Matt Barber and um, Wheels, although Wheels doesn't really... It's gone. It's gone dark, but um, yeah, it's just it's just a fun way to uh to like talk to each other. And um, Frank, the big one, trade deadline. You're really hot and heavy over this this topic. Um, I'm with you that there shouldn't be any trade deadline. So um, talk talk the listeners through it. Very passionate about this. Why should there not be a trade deadline in Dynasty? There shouldn't not be a trade deadline in Dynasty because it is a 365, 24-7 commitment. So why should there be a trade deadline? If you're trading at any point in the off-season, any point during the season, why for the next, for like let's say it's the last six, seven weeks of the season, you shouldn't be able to trade. I understand why there's a trade deadline in regular redraft fantasy because you want the team that someone you know had for the year if there's teams that are already eliminated, they don't, they've got no real incentive to not trade the best players to their friend or to someone who offers them the most money. In a dynasty league, if you're eliminated from the playoffs, you have every incentive in the world to not help the other teams because you're going to be back next year with the same team and the same assets and same with those player teams that are in the playoffs. If you decide that you want to trade a first-round pick for someone that would have been a, a regular season, a redraft waiver wire pickup. Let's they, say um, like Justin Jackson this year in that, in that, uh, the first round of the playoffs. If you give up a first for him, like you deserve the repercussions of that trade. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. You might win the championship. He would have got his 30 point game and you would have gone into the next round and you would have been happy, but the effects of you trading that first round pick will be felt for hope, you know, hopefully years and years on, but that's your decision of how you run your team. I'm not a fan of having, you know, rules in a league where that stop trading when you're the only one that gets affected by it. They're your decisions. And that's, that's just the way it is. If you have to, you want to overpay for a player a week before your championship matchup, go right ahead. That's your provocative. I mean, and same with the teams that are lower down. If the teams that are lower down, and they can get a really good deal for their their players. Like, why should they be punished? Yeah, mate, couldn't agree more. Um, uh, yeah, I think I think we've we've ticked them all off, Frank. Um, yeah, do you have any other rule you want to? Oh, actually, the startup draft um, before the preseason games. You you're a big advocate of that, and um, the slow draft. I'm a big advocate of this. Um, we did. How long was it? Was like eight hour clocks, draft clocks. Yeah. So I'm a big proponent of having the draft before the preseason, maybe like a couple of weeks or something like that, just because I understand that there can be injuries in the preseason, but it just changes. ADPs of players so drastically. So in the preseason, I believe J.K. Dobbins went down in the preseason um, or it might have been training or whatever. I think it might have been training and then Gus Edwards, obviously, again. But you could be in a league where that happens. You like, Let's say it happens. J.K. Dobbins flies down draft boards. Then Gus Edwards flies up draft boards. 
and then it I don't I it's just basically knee jerk reactions on ADP. Um, that's that. This is probably the way I want to explain it. I don't like knee jerk reactions in ADP. So if there's been you know four months of research and study gone into your draft day, and that that can't be affected until players hit training camp. So you've done all your research. Everyone in the industry's done all their research. There's hundreds of drafts going on that have collected in the average draft positions. That's where players are going. That's where the community as a whole is valuing players. And I think you want to represent that in your league rather than knee-jerk reactions based on injuries or hype or news and things like that. And then you get to see how your players perform in training camp. You get to see that, you know, who's, you know, exploding in training camp. You're hearing all the great news about how... Devonta Smith is the number one receiver in Philly, or you get to see how Kadarius Tony missed the entire training camp because he had COVID. Things like that just um, are just cool storylines. I think you want your team and you want to be able to see how they progress through training camp. Do you agree with that, Andy, or would you like to have it after preseason, like right before the season starts? Nah, preseason buzz is the best. Do an early victory lapse when uh, Ramondre Stevenson was great by you. So, um, yeah, I'm all for it. Uh, lock your team in. If you get an injury, like, you know, it's it's unlucky, but it's it's just the way to do it. Um, you know, you play if you're getting injured week three and it's the exact same thing. So um, it just doesn't impact the ADP, as you said. And, I mean, I'm just going to reiterate what you just said. So, but um, as for saying, and it also allows you the league to um, do a slow draft, which, you know, at the time when Joel brought it up, I was like, Gee, eight hours a pick. Like, I don't really want to do this. But, listeners, when you're hot and heavy and discussing discussing trades, like, this is your team for life. You really need to think about it. So, um, you know, discuss teams when you're on the uh, – discuss trades when you're on the clock. Gives you more time. You know, everyone has lives, jobs. You know, um, I just think, like, minute, minute um, – what, what are they called? Draft clocks? Minute draft clocks just isn't enough time for you to fully – uh, put players say I don't want this player. I want to move back in the draft and allow people to communicate um, with everyone and trade down, trade up. Uh, so just allows that. So what's your opinion on slow draft clocks? Oh, it's absolutely incredible. I'll go as far as to say that our slow draft was like the best three weeks of my life. It was so freaking awesome. Yeah, it was. It was insane. It was so good. And just uh. Being, yeah, like you said, the flexibility to be able to speak to essentially, if you wanted to, every single owner in the league, and that you could see what the, like someone wanted to trade up, what values they were giving for that pick. Um, you know, you trade might have already drafted a player and someone really wanted him. You go up, you get that player. Um, it just allows you to not have to make split second decisions. Like, I understand the appeal of wanting people to make split second decisions, but like you said, it's a decision for life. You know, we want to keep these teams forever. So, Having a slow draft was just awesome. You you know, eight hours we did per pick. And that just allowed, if you're at work and, you know, you get on your lunch break or something like that or the night before, you're, trying to, you're mulling which pick it's going to be and then you end up making that pick the next day. It just allows you to sort of figure out all of your decisions. So I think that was really important though. What we did was at 10 p.m., we would turn the draft clock off just because it got late, everyone was going to sleep. And then we turned the clock back on at, I believe it was 10 a.m. I don't know if that's 100% right. Something like that though. 
just so people can get their sleep, get ready for work, whatever it might be. And then the clock starts again. So it was important to just remember that if someone had, you know, four hours left on their draft clock when it hit 10 p.m., you set four hours again for their next pick. So just making sure that they don't take forever. But during that 10, 10, 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. stint, as many picks could be flying off the board without a um without a draft clock. So people just kept making picks, which was really cool. Like I know there was just countless nights where we were all up to like 1 a.m. waiting to see who was going to fall asleep first and not make their pick or seeing whether you were going to get, you know, your pick was going to come back to you. It was just so much fun just seeing picks fly off the board. I remember in particular the uh, the pick where I took Chris Godwin and Andrew was committed to taking Chris Godwin the very next pick after me. He was like, yeah, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. He didn't say this to me, of course. Um, and then it gets to his pick and it's, you know, midnight and he's just completely stumped, completely tilting, didn't know who he was going to take, sleep on it. He had eight hours the next day. So he was able to then make decisions after that. But it was just so funny. It was uh, incredible scenes. So definitely highly recommend a slow draft. Yeah, getting sniped at uh, 1 a.m. And I just uh, just hit the hay, Frank, refresh myself. Um, you know, it's okay. But listeners, you haven't lived unless you are discussing trades at 3 a.m. for a group of NFL dynasty, dynasty team. So uh, they are the best nights, slow drafts. Um, yeah, I recommend. I just recommend dynasty in general. Like uh, just jump in. With, with you guys, if you have a, like a really committed redraft league where 10 of you play every year, just just make it dynasty and make it more fun. So, um, yeah, with that, Frank, we're all done. So we'll barrack for the the Niners and the Bengals. And um, I'll talk to you next week, hopefully. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, as always, Andy. Do appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, go Niners, go Bengals. Uh, money Joe. Thank you, listeners. Have a lovely day. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Addict Dynasty podcast. Follow the podcast on Instagram at NFL Fantasy Addict. And be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to make sure you don't miss a second of the action.